Hello everyone, welcome to the monologue. I've been busy since uh, I last recorded, and the last recording I did a video where I talked about not playing a victim. And one of the statements I made was that the the whole reason for victim and victimhood mentality is to keep you imprisoned. And I realized that I was touching on something a bit more sinister. And that is that the news organizations, what we call mainstream media or mass media, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, you, you know, all the big guys, um, I realized that they're all part of the problem. They're all built on the narrative of making you afraid and keeping you a victim. Now, y'all can watch The Rules for Life, and that's going to come out once every week, once every other week. I'm not really going to be digging into that very much, only because I want to give y'all time to change and, and apply it. But when I talked about, you know, victimhood mentality and that the mainstream media gets off on keeping you afraid and keeping you in fear, it made me realize something. They're doing this because it sells, okay? Their whole job, their whole reason for existing really is to keep you imprisoned in fear, keep you imprisoned in worry, and keep you really uh, on the edge of your seat in dread. In fact, impacts in terms of mental capacity, in terms of neurology, fear or negative news is in four times more impactful up in your mind than good news. Means that you have to have four good news stories for every one negative story to balance out. You will pay attention to negative things because they oftentimes have something to do with survival. And because of that, every negative thing that's ever said is immediately, oh, I got to pay attention to that. Oh, oh, oh. But if you live in that state, you're going to have a state of fear. It's going to be there, and you're going to have a state of anxiety. And then what do you have to do? You have to go get medicated. You have to go get on Zoloft or Prozac or whatever have you. And then you wonder why you're always afraid. Then, of course, you can poison your food supply with certain drugs. Um, there's a particular one called, uh, let's see, I'm looking at an ingredient list here. Uh, it is called... I think it's aspartame, is that what they call, how do I say, pronounce it? Aspartame or polyerlane? I don't know. But that has a, that's an excitotoxin, it's an artificial sweetener, it's an excitotoxin that causes depression. So for those of you who drink a lot of diet soda, you wonder why you're always depressed, it's not just because you're fat. I wasn't trying to insinuate that. But... Let me go ahead and get back into the negative cycle because what I was getting, what is getting at was the news has just published this article that suggests that we're heading to another pandemic. Okay. In 2020, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with that. Right now, they're telling us Cambodia is the beginning of the new pandemic. Avian bird flu has jumped from bird to humans. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, pandemic means global. It's all around the world. That's the very word of pandemic. 
I didn't want you to be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Uh, and if that won't scare you, this one might. China might side with Russia in the Ukrainian war, and Ukraine gets its ass handed to it, which forces NATO to kind of get involved, literally, which drags the United States in, United States in for a nice nuclear war. You know, nuclear war, World War Three. yeah. It's stupid, what it is. But people aren't thinking like that. Most politicians aren't because they always want to, hey, another body for the meat grinder. Actually, there's something about that, um, and I'm going to get into that because there is a real disturbing uh, paradigm, if you will, concerning our military. And I'm not bashing the military. I think they're you know good people, but I think the higher-ups have gotten their heads a little too big. They're a little bit waterhead. They got, you know, they need that five, ten-gallon cowboy hat. You know, whatever. But I'll get into that in a minute. The pandemic story, however, caught my eye because they talked about the pandemic. And before that, I remember Bill Gates was talking about a cyber attack on our financial institution. And they're talking about World War Three. You clearly can tell that there is a narrative of negativeness designed to keep people in fear. And when people are in fear, they can't think rationally. Fear is a flight or fight, flight or fight response in your mind. That's what it triggers. That emotion, fear, triggers a fight or flight response. And therefore, you are not able to clearly think. You're going to either fight or you're going to run. Um, but the reason, and the, you're probably wondering why I keep, why do I keep looking over to my left? Um, I have a list that I'm going to read off and I got, and I want y'all to think about this as a paradigm. Remember the news, the mainstream media and the political apparatus of the United States, Europe and other countries all operate on the same principle, which is keep the masses in fear at all times. Perpetual fear, so that the government can say, I'm your savior, and therefore play themselves as a savior, so that you will rush to the government and feed the government and become not a person, but just another number, or another subject, or another another body for the meat grinder. Um, but I'm going to read this off. In 20. 23 right now, they're talking about the avian bird flu pandemic that started in Cambodia. Okay. Um, I remember a couple months ago in 2002, uh, 2022, right towards the end, we were talking about a cyber attack that would forever destroy America's financial institution. Uh, I remember, uh, okay, so we're going to get with that, but let's talk about this. In 2022, there was supposed to be a cyber attack which would destroy all of America's financial institutions. That was in 2022, prophesied by Bill Gates. And it was sold for a while. In 2021, as if we weren't still dealing with the coronavirus, everybody kind of forgot about the UN Agenda 2021 which has been renamed UN Agenda 2030, which is also renamed now U, uh, the WEF 
you will own nothing and be happy. Yeah, whatever. In 2020, the coronavirus. Now, remember, I, that little statement about the WEF, that shit's actually happening. It's fucking frightening. But um, this one here, I want to read off these and see if y'all notice the pattern. Because there is a pattern evolving here. In 2020, coronavirus was supposed to kill us all. It was supposed to have a lethality of 10% or more. Okay. Um, why did we fuck up the world economy just for 0.001%? I mean, seriously. It, I had coronavirus. My wife had coronavirus. Everybody I know has ever had... Everybody I know had coronavirus at one point. And we're all kicking alive and just chilling. So... What's up with that? We were told that this thing was supposed to kill us all, but yet when you look at the actual numbers of deaths, 0.1%. Now, in China, it's fucking horrific. Gee, I wonder why. Their, their EPA, there's no EPA. Their air, you can't breathe it. Uh, you have to walk around with Mac. And really, it doesn't help when you... Pull people aside, you lock them in their houses, you weld the doors shut, you put them in cages, and or you shoot them or gas them. You know, you put a few con people in con concentration camps, you know, that artificially inflate the numbers. No, actually, the Chinese only report 5,000 global. <laughs> 5,000 Chinese died, that's it. Okay, even I know that's bullshit. We got a 1.4 billion people and a 0.1% death rate. <laughs> I know for a fact that's bullshit. And everybody does. So, but let's remember, the news told us this. They told us, you've got to lock your doors, zip, you know. It was like the biohazard warfare suit of the apocalypse. You had to take the tarp and duct tape your windows shut and, you know, lock the doors and everything and, and everybody uh, stay inside, don't go out, don't buy anything, don't do anything. Yeah, okay. Oh, and that kind of reminds me. In 2021, during the COVID lockdown, they were also talking about what was called the environmental lockdown. We got to combat global warming, so we're going to lock everybody in their houses so they can't use their cars. Okay, that's insane. But let's get back to this list because the coronavirus was supposed to kill us all. Remember that. And now they're talking about the bird flu that's supposed to kill us all. Remember that. Uh, Zika virus. Anybody remember that? That was in 2016. Now, apparently, if you got the Zika virus and you're pregnant, it was supposed to shrink your baby's head. Now, from what I hear about pregnancy, that, that sounds like an upside. <laughs> I'm just saying. You can take advantage of it. Um, but that was in 2016. Zika virus was supposed to kill us all. In 2015, because, because of uh, Barack Obama, his love for Islam, sorry I pissed off the liberals there, um, he created the state of ISIL. Now, we all said ISIL was supposed to fly the Muslim flag over the White House and kill us all. Uh, they called it ISIS. ISIS was supposed to kill us all. That was 2015. They were, they were renting and raving and, and killing everything in sight. And they were supposed to kill us all. 
Okay. 2014. Remember this one? Ebola. That was when two nurses from the United States went to Sierra Leone, got Ebola. What did we do? Instead of treating them there, we bring them back home. And Ebola was supposed to get out and kill us all. Hmm. Okay. Let's see if you all remember. I'm starting to feel a little old because the more I talk, the more I go backwards, the more I remember all these stories and I realize how old I'm getting. As if I need a daily reminder of every time I look at my beard, it's white. I think that's just stress. <laughs> it's stress related. I'm not really that old. Uh, but 2013, North Korea discovers the atomic bomb. It's going to be World War Three. The military industrial complex is going to be cranking out everything. I'm not so sure about that. But North Korea was supposed to cause World War Three. That was in 2013. Remember this one? Everybody, uh, my generation is certainly, but if you're a little bit younger, you might even remember this one. Uh, 2012, we even produced a movie with John Cusack in it. And we even had the Dalai Lama doing this number. Right as he gets engulfed in water. Oh uh, yeah, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a classic. What can I say? But the Mayan colonists predicted the end of the world. Everybody was supposed to be dead. There was nobody. The whole planet was supposed to break up into something else. Uh, yeah, that that worked real well. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the Mayan calendar does predict, but it wasn't the end of the world. It was the beginning of a new cycle, and apparently, there's a 20-year period law between the two. Um, and I don't know. You guys be the judge. Uh, right now, it's only 2023. It's, the cycle would theoretically end in 2032. So, you guys be the judge. We're, we're getting close to some weird crap. Remember this? <laughs> 2009, the swine flu epidemic was supposed to kill us all. I was supposed to get sick by a pig. I love pigs. I like eating pigs. Don't, you know what, in some ways you got to look at it this way. If you love sausage, you love bacon, you love uh, pretty much everything pork, you're doing everybody a good job because you're keeping swine flu down. That's <laughs> your little uh, bit for you. But seriously, swine flu in 2009 was supposed to kill us all. In 2008, even though I warned my parents about that six months prior to it, they didn't really listen to me and my dad lost half his 401k. But the financial collapse was supposed to kill us all. It was supposed to end Western civilization. It was supposed to end it all. And nothing happens. I mean, there was a panic for about 24 hours as they all started playing, uh, what are we doing? We, they're too big to fail. We gotta bail them out. Okay. So you're bailing out bad banks who are operating bad business decisions, who are doing bad business, and you guys want to bail them out because they're too big to fail? Now you're making bigger and bigger banks that will make bigger and bigger mistakes. Eventually, you're going to screw up and you're going to have a bank that's so big, it's too big to fail, right? You're not going to be able to bail it out. It will fail. But let's, you know, forget about BlackRock for a while. You know, it's $9 trillion. We need to be broken up. 
It's a little too big. Kind of reminds me of Standard Oil. Anyway, let's kind of get back into this. Uh, 2008 was supposed to kill us all. In 2006, the E. coli epidemic. Remember that one? Everybody, uh, I'm going to be on my toilet. Uh, that was supposed to kill us all. I ate something bad and I'm going to be sitting on my toilet and I'm going to literally crap myself to death. That was supposed to kill us all. The E. coli epidemic. They had, I remember it was like 29 states or 28 states where they had to recall Tyson chicken. If you didn't have Tyson chicken, you were okay. Anyway, in 2005, see if this sounds familiar. This is why I said it. Notice the pattern here. 2005, bird flu epidemic. It's the H1N1 virus. It's going to kill us all. Oh, Really? You know, I'm still waiting for the Planet X and the Asteroid. Whatever happened to those two? We were told that was going to kill us all. I, I think that was in 2021. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, actually, when people thought that maybe an asteroid striking a planet would actually be better than having Joe Biden or Donald Trump being president was actually a good thing. Yeah. So, we had bird flu in 2005, H1N1. It makes me wonder if the avian bird flu in Cambodia, the one they're talking about now, is H1N1. I don't know. But um, let's take a look at SARS. Remember this? Everybody, SARS was supposed to kill us all. Done. Okay, for those of you who don't know, SARS is the same thing as coronavirus. It's the Wu flu, the Wuhan flu. SARS is the vi the original virus. Coronavirus is the gain of function research version of SARS. So, uh, so let's see. The pattern here is SARS. Okay, that's also known as coronavirus. Because we have SARS-2. We have SARS-1. Now we got SARS-2. SARS-1 was actually called SARS-NCOV. Now we have SARS-2 in COV for coronavirus. Uh, now they're talking about bird flu. Wait a minute. Bird flu epidemic starting in Cambodia. Wait a minute. That sounds like the bird flu epidemic in 2005 with H1N1. Well, that means the next thing on the list must be E. coli. We're all going to crap ourselves to death. Got to be, right? But before that, we had the West Nile virus. West Nile was supposed to kill us all. It happened in 2022. Uh, 2002. So, two years after Y2K, oh my God, we forgot to put it in the computer to tell it to turn over. It was going to kill us all because it was going to accidentally launch the nuclear weapons. I don't think we have a plan for that. <coughs> Remember, after 9-11, this is to give you an idea how old I am. They were telling us about anthrax. The ant Beware of the white powder in the envelope. It might be... Look, I'm pretty sure the white powder in the envelope is Hunter Biden cocaine, Okay. I'm almost certain that is. But they're talking about anthrax was going to kill us all in, 20, in, in uh, 2001, right after 9-11. Don't open the envelope. It might contain white powder. 
if you do and you watch the movie, uh, not the movie, but the television series in CIS, shortly after that, they had uh, their main star, one of the main stars, two of them really, uh, Tony Dinozo blow into it and get a face full of white powder, which turned out to be white pasta, which was genetically modified just like coronavirus. <laughs> The, the thing about it is, news is built to sell on fear. It keeps you in fear, so you keep coming back for more. And be honest, it's bullshit. And if you buy, if you listen to the 8WO, and if you're listening to Anthony freaking Fauci, who says you can get cereal, AIDS from a cereal box, I'm sorry, if you... Donald Trump should have fired that son of a bitch as soon as he had, as, as soon as it became apparent he was stupid. He destroyed the whole damn, he destroyed the country. Donald Trump locked the country down. People like Ron DeSantis opened it up. Truth be told, we shouldn't have listened to the CDC. They didn't know what the heck they were talking about. They lied to us, and we bought it. Now, they have a chance to lie to us again with this new bird flu pandemic. I'm pretty sure they're going to tell us that everybody's going to die and everybody's going to, you know, pass away. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a problem. And that problem is death. You're afraid of it. You're afraid of death. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I suggest you... Uh, Go to the only one, the, the great physician, the Prince of Peace, the Redeemer of Life, Jesus, and get saved. That's, you know, that's the only cure you're going to have. Because whether you like it or not, that six-foot hole in the ground, that oven, that sea, you know, who knows, they probably pissed on Osama bin Laden when they shoved him out of the plane into the ocean. You know, they said, well, we, we made sure we didn't record it and we made sure we followed the Islamic law. Yeah, sure, whatever. You would have fed him through a wood chipper and just, there you go. Um, but seriously, the, the fact of the matter is everybody is headed towards physical death. There's no way around that. And as long as the news keeps you paralyzed in fear, you will do anything and give the government any power it desires. And as a result, you will one day wake up and the Leviathan that they wrote about in the book Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes uh, will be literal. It will be a reality. And then you're going to have real problems. Now, that was just the pandemic story I read. I couldn't believe how, I mean, I, you can believe it, but they're, um, they're saying, you know, it's, they're just, they're just selling you down the river again. And they were talking about how, uh, I read another story with Vanity Fair, and this is kind of way off base because I'm tired of talking about the pandemic shit. I'm tired of worrying about, you know, death is around the corner. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, make peace with it. Make peace with the idea that you're going to have physical death. That happens to everybody. Everybody goes through that. That's called the way... Every animal does it. 
I mean, I really haven't seen a immortal uh, thing. Now, having said all that, I will say this. We talk about certain, you know, I'm talking about how the news sells on negativity. And that's, you know, one of the things that's true. Um, another thing that has been kind of, I've kind of been paying attention to is something called deep fake. Now, deep fakes are these videos where they altered people and they make them so, they make them sound real and make them look real. And it. The problem I found with deep fake is you have to know the person beforehand, before they, they start the deep fake videos, uh, to know it's fake. But here's something else that kind of caught my attention. You're watching me through the camera right now. And you know, you may know me a little bit, you may not know any, anything about me. And they could do a deep fake video about me saying something completely out of character. <laughs> and the video I saw with Joe Biden, and he was saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, God bless America. First of all, Joe Biden's never been that articulate. He's never been that coherent. Um, not even on drugs. So that's, that's impossible. So you already knew that from that point of view. But it got me thinking that, you know, one day you're not going to be able to trust any video or any picture you have seen. The only thing you're going to be able to trust is what you physically experience. Imagine that. That means you have to put down the virtual and go to the real. Put down the digital and go to analog. That would, I mean, that would change the foundation, but that's what we're heading to. People of ill will or of evil design or evil heart are going about making things that are designed to deceive and hurt people. You know, for example, you got people who are physically altering their bodies because they think they're supposed to be something else. Some of them are doing it so convincingly that if they suddenly woke up one day, I would tell them not to change anything. You're already screwed. You might as well live in that and uh, just try to warn others. But, you know, people like Blair White... He um, is a YouTube commentator. You can you can find him uh, on the web, but he does pass as a woman because of all the stuff he has done to himself. Now, if he wakes up one day and realizes I'm a boy, and at that point I would tell him, "Dude, you're too far gone." You're Stick with that. You live it the rest of your life. Warn others about the mistake you made. That would be what my advice would be. Um, you know, it's like Jeff Foxworthy made a joke one time about a man who had been married to a woman for 23 years, only the one day woke up and in fact they were married to another man. <laughs> You've skedaddled past the mistake. Uh, yes, I agree, but it's getting very, very hard to distinguish. And that, to me, reminds me of the deep fake videos. As we progress technologically with chat GPT and uh, with um, deep fakes, 
one day you're not going to be, you will not be able to trust technology. You will not be able to trust your computer. You will not be able to trust your videos. You will not be able to trust your pictures. The only thing you're going to be able to trust is what you can physically experience physically. That will be the only real there is. <coughs> and I would not be surprised if that leads to a technological collapse, honestly. Um, and the weird thing about that is it's not surprising if we do go to a technological collapse. Um, every, every civilization, um, whether it be the United States or the world or whatever, they, when they hit a certain point, they call it a zenith, it starts going downhill. Now, America's zenith, if you really want to get to it, I would say is the greatest generation. The age of American decadence, or decadence is the 1980s. But if you want to say what was the zenith of America, and that was the 1960s, right before the summer of love and the Apollo and the rise of evil in our culture, uh, and the, the throwing away of, of respect for law, respect for order, respect for good things. When they started doing that, and they started having what they called the sexual revolution, which is what this stuff that we're dealing with, the transgender crap, that's all from that. The feminist movement, all of it. It all stems from this challenging idea that man is man and woman is woman, which is exactly directly out of the Bible. You know, it said the Bible said God made man and woman. He made man, then he made woman. Um, and people, you know, may be offended by that, but if they can change that narrative, I mean, that's, they're destroying the foundation of society itself. Not, it's not like destroying this, this government or that institution. No, it's working its way down to the very fabric and the root core of society and trying to alter that. And they try to get you to agree to it via pronouns or or whatever have you, and don't go along with it. Don't participate in it. You know what? Correct them and let them get angry. That's not your fault. You're not responsible for the way they feel. You're responsible to give them the truth. Facts do not care about your feelings. And the fact is, if everybody in the middle, like, meh, just like that, suddenly woke up on a new planet, and I mean everyone, Every and, and whatever we're programmed genetically in terms of DNA, and that is who you are, you would instantly wake up in a new world with whatever that DNA was programmed. And I guarantee you, every single transgender person, every single person is going to wake up in their original body as it would have been had they not mutilated it. Now, that's fact, and it's fact they don't want to hear, because it hurts their feelings. It's just like um, there was a, a guy, I, I, want, I, list, I listened to a, a show called Triggered. This is by Donald, John, uh, Donald Trump Jr. This is the little guy. Little guy? He's a, you know, he's a nice guy. He's awesome and everything. And I actually would favor him running for president, not his father, 
because unlike his father, his son actually has some tact. His father is too pompous. You know, and this is my big critique. And for those of you who are debating whether you're going to uh, be on the Donald Trump train versus Ron DeSantis, I'll go ahead and give it to you blatantly. I like Donald Trump's assholeness, if you will, his blunt approach, um, and that's what made him popular with me, especially in 2016. But as he progressed through his presidency, he became increasingly establishment. He, you know, wouldn't fire Anthony Fauci. You know, you had the two impeachment proceedings by Democrats because they didn't like what he was doing. You know, pulling out the Paris Peace Accord and all that. Paris Climate Accord, it wasn't the Peace Accord, it was Climate Accord and all that garbage. Because Donald Trump could see the writing on the wall. He knew what they were, the globalists were trying to do, which is destroy America. Um, go ahead and move that with Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis is the guy who goes against it, but he doesn't tell you. The difference between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis is simply this. Donald Trump will tell you and may or may not do. Don, Ron DeSantis will not say anything and just do and then explain to you why he did it. And piss people off while he's at it. And that's fine. Um, I kind of, you know, given the if I had to choose between two today, I'm going to choose Ron DeSantis because I know what Donald Trump was like. I, I like what he did, but I want his son to run more so than I want him because his son will actually reach more people, I think, because he's actually nicer than his dad, um, which is kind of weird. But... Now, some of you may be like, well, I would vote for Tulsa Gabbard if she would run. Now, you know, and I don't agree 100% with her. I don't agree 100% at all with her. But I did want to mention something, and I, I kind of got off track about it. It had to do with the military-industrial complex and the statement, another one for the meat grinder. Now... This is the paradigm shift that I was talking about. And I'm going to kind of, I want to, I'm going to truncate this, but this is going to be in the film. But I mean, this is going to be in this, but I'm also going to se uh, separate it for fun. But here's the thing. The meat grinder. That's the terminology that people used during Vietnam because they were just throwing bodies at the problem. Um, war had become politicized during Vietnam. And instead of being about real estate, which it should have been, uh, it was about body count. That's what made Vietnam so bad. It's why we didn't succeed. It's why we failed in Vietnam. And, it, you know, they used to talk about, you know, mommy didn't raise no commie, you know, kill a commie for mommy. Those are kind of fun. But I'm hearing that same rhetoric again. Uh, but there's something new coming around, and that's the idea of the meat grinder. And the meat grinder theory was saying that the, the military-industrial complex only exists for itself. After World War II, the, the, the people that were responsible for making the tanks, the planes, the bullets, the armament, everything that we used to fight in World War II, suddenly had this idea, hey, we can keep making money if we do this. Let's just keep this going. This is a good thing. We can make a lot of money. Well, we have the nuclear bomb. Well, let's build a bunch of them then. 
Not a few, let's build a lot. Want some tanks? Let's make some newer tanks and keep making them. War, quote unquote, is good for business. Sound familiar? It probably should. In fact, Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List is the one who said it. Well, not in that term, not, not that way, but he said the one thing that was missing from business to, for business to be good was war. Um, and that makes me come to this point. Why did we pull out of Afghanistan so damn quickly? And so full of crap. Here's why. When somebody, uh, the person I'm give, uh, giving credit to this is Ian Coswell, or Crosswood, Coswell? I, I don't know. Um, he said it on the team, in Tim Cath IRL, and he put it bluntly. He said that the only reason we left our equipment there was so that later we can go back and test our equipment against that equipment. And that's when it suddenly hit me like a sack of bricks. Well, now, most people, you have to look this up if you want to find the evidence for it. But there is a video of Donald Trump talking about when he was talking to a general. There was a General Mathis or there was another general. And he was talking about going and getting our equipment and bringing the equipment home. And the general was saying, uh, it's just easier to leave it there. He said it's a $40 million plane. I can put a soldier on a aircraft, you know, be it a, I could send, send him on a civilian aircraft and get him over there for two, $300, maybe $400, and he can fly back a $40 million equipment. Financially, that makes brilliant sense. But this stupid general says, nah, that's okay. It's good where it is. We built a trillion dollar base in, what was it, Iraq or Afghanistan? It's one of those. A trillion dollar base. The most expensive base we've ever built. And then we just gave it to them. Hey, we pulled all our, we pulled all our troops out but, and blamed it on Donald Trump. But we left all the equipment there. That way you can guy can come back into power, be super powerful, rule the region, bring out more ISIS and ISIL and bullshit like that. But they want to blame Donald Trump for it, even though Joe Biden was the one who did it so haphazardly, when even Donald Trump wouldn't have even honored that agreement. He would have been like, no, we're going to take our stuff with us. Even if he had to fight the generals to do it. Because the generals are the ones that wanted to leave it. Why? The military-industrial complex. The generals get paid for war. For them, it's a, it's a game of, let's play chess with human bodies. And it also means that they can test their theories and all this other stuff. So generals actually have a... They don't really have skin in the game as much as... The little guys, the private, the sergeants, the, those are the guys that have the skin in the game. They're the ones that have to do whatever the higher up say. And the higher up, the higher you go, the more political you become, and the more stupid you become, apparently. Because there are a lot of generals out there. I mean, some of them have my utmost respect. Others, on the other hand, 
I'd like to see them do the, the two-bit dance on the end of the rope, which, you know, right next to uh, Pee Wee Herman. But, or Joe Biden, Mister, uh, whom Hunter Biden refers to as Pedo. That's an interesting nickname to choose for your dad. Call him Mr. Pedo. Something wrong with that. Um, Hunter, are you secretly saying that you were molested a lot as a little kid? Anyway, I'm not going to get into that particular debacle right now. But think about this. When we pulled out of Afghanistan, we pulled out so haphazardly that we left all of our equipment there. The Taliban came back into power fairly quickly after. And what do we do? Well, let's just say uh, we get Donald Trump come back into power. Or we get further down the road, and the next thing we know, Afghanistan, some Taliban members have managed to, I don't know, attack our embassy and some of our, the other surrounding countries with Black Hawk helicopters that we left there. Well, you know, we have to test our equipment on the Black Hawk helicopters, too, you know. Okay. I know that they did computer simulation between the F-16 and the F-22 when they were trying to figure out if the F-22 was good or not. Uh, and apparently one could shoot down eight without a wingman. That was pretty cool. Um, but here's the thing. We're leaving this equipment, very valuable, very expensive, very high-tech equipment in the hands of terrorists whose sole purpose is Islam global, you're doing that only for what reason? At the military-industrial complex, we gave them outdated equipment so we can test the newer equipment on the old equipment. It kind of reminds me of selling the Sherman tanks to an, or better yet, we sold our F-14 to Iran, and now we're fighting them. No, we're not fighting them now, thankfully. But then we fought them in the 1980s via a proxy war with Iraq. Yeah, that, that went over real well, didn't it? Well, that was only because the mullahs overthrew the Shah of Iran, who was apparently a horrible dictator. Yeah. He was our ba he was he was a bastard, but he was our bastard. Sound familiar? Once again, that's the military-industrial complex for you. Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us that this thing would want to destroy us and destroy everything. It doesn't care. It's all about making money at the expense of warfare. Now, you know, we're talking about, what are we doing right now? We're arming Ukraine against Russia, which has plenty of nukes that it could use any time it wants to. Um... And yet, Russia and Ukraine, as far as I can tell, if you look at their 800-year history, that's right, 800 years, they have had multiple, multiple wars between each other, bicker back and forth, started by both sides. Ukraine started a war with Russia, Russia started a war with Ukraine, and it's been back and forth for over 800 years. So this isn't new. This is not something catastrophically new on the block. This isn't new at all. This is old hat. 
So why in the heck are the United States getting involved in Ukraine? Why are we wasting taxpayer money? Because it funds the war machine and it keeps us off base. It keeps America focused on them without us looking inward. When we start seeing what our politicians are really doing inside the system. Now, what does that mean in the long run? Well, it could mean several things. World War Three, you know. And the reason I say that so nonchalantly is because they've been talking about World War Three since the end of World War Two. World War One was supposed to be the war to end all wars. World War Two was just a continuation of World War One, and World War Three will be the continuation of World War Two. Mm, I don't know about that. But, interesting to note, if you're a historian, if you like history, it's interesting to note that without the, the nightmare of World War I, you wouldn't have World War II. And you wouldn't have the setup for what we call the Muslim Brotherhood, or ISIS, or the Islamic terrorist group. They all came out of World War I. People are like, what? Let me explain. World War One. it was about the German and the Ottoman-Hungarian Empire. Now, the Ottoman-Hungarian Empire had an alliance with the Ottoman Turks. Okay? So, it's a three-way battle. Austro-Hungarian Empire, Germany. Well, guess who sided with Germany and the Austro-Hungarian Empire? The Ottoman Empire. Now, Ottoman controls the carcass and everything else, and they control all the oil. So, they sent the British in 1916, sent a man named Lawrence over to Arabia and said, Hey, see if you can uh, work your way in and, you know, kind of get them to turn on each other. And then so we can break them up after World War One, And that's what happened. World War One came to an end. Germany loses the war. The Austro-Hungarian Empire and Ottoman Empire break up. They fall apart. They become multiple nations. And all because of, of a, a Sykes-Pico, or actually I don't think it was Sykes-Pico. I think that was a different statement. Um, but it was Lawrence of Arabia. And Lawrence of Arabia is interesting because even he knew something was off. And the idea was that you would ha that the Europeans, remember, I said the European, I think I said it on this one, the Europeans are kind of like a curse on the world uh, because they're always fighting with each other. Uh, that was why our founders said, don't have any entangling alliances, just be friends with everybody, but no alliances, because they didn't want to get dragged into European affairs. Because Europe has had a long, long history of fighting with itself. Well, it's interesting to note, after Lawrence of Arabia did what he did, they broke up into multiple nations. Well, who determined these nations? Well, it was the Europeans. They're the ones who went around breaking up the Ottoman Empire. Now, in 1924, the Ottoman Empire officially went away. It collapsed. Twelve years later, you have the arrival of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, they came from within the Ottoman Empire. And now they're one of the largest terrorist groups throughout the damn world. Now, 
Why do I say that? Because if it wasn't for World War One, you wouldn't have World War Two, which is what was what was the catalyst for World War Two. The Treaty of Versailles. Everybody remembers that one. The Treaty of Versailles. And then you have the um, I want to say it's like Pico, but I'm not sure if that's correct. I'll have to confirm that and then get back to y'all on that. I want to believe. I want to say that's correct. Uh, but it was a a plan, a British plan, to break up the Ottoman Empire because the Ottomans had controlled all the oil, all the oil of the Middle East, all the 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 uh, Rock of Gibraltar, the Suez Canal. The Strait of Hormuz, all of that was controlled by the Ottoman, just one empire. And that one empire had been trying to destroy Europe for 300 years. There's a wonderful movie with F. Murray Abraham in it. And it's called 9 11, 1683. Remember, 9 11 actually has a very important historical date. Not just 9-11, what we call the Twin Towers. But if you studied it, you would see that it also at the Hall of Vienna. The siege of Vienna, where the Muslim horde ran against the Polish cavalry and got their asses handed to them, thankfully. But they were able to stop the Islamic invasion of Europe at the Hall of Vienna <laughs> in 1683. And 9-11, that was the one of the most historic fights. And after that, Islam never tried to get into Europe after that. Until now. Now they're using every uh, humanitarian crisis and using the bleeding hearts of Europe and just going in. Until one day Europe wakes up and it is Islamic. God forbid. But that actually might happen. Um... But since I can't really confirm or deny, I will. I will try to uh, confirm this or deny it. Um, whether it was like Pico, um, because it really that's a very interesting uh, twist because it sets up the Muslim Brotherhood and then it sets up what we're dealing with now with all the, ter the terrorist splinter cells and everything, and this weird generational warfare. They call it fourth, gen fifth generation. Fifth generation is information. Fourth generation is like insurgency. Um, we kind of ran into fourth fourth generation during Vietnam, where you couldn't really tell the difference between civilian and soldier. You didn't know who your enemy or your ally was. Um, but yeah, that uh, something interesting. And I've gone way off my time count. Normally, I only try to keep these to thirty minutes. This is over fifty. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I hope you guys did enjoy this. If you did, hit the like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. Uh, and I will confirm, or you know, whether it's Psych Pico or something, uh, and get back to y'all on, on the next episode. Anyway, I hope you guys did enjoy this. In the meantime, good evening, good night, and God bless.